This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, the Denver Nuggets are NBA champions. And Drew is joined by another former Nuggets announcer, Jerry Schimmel, to share in the joy and the memories. Yeah, the NBA championship, seriously, in the 18 years I was there, never really entered my mind as a distinct possibility. It was always, we're so far away from this. It's always going to be somebody else. It's always going to be the Lakers. Until about four or five years ago when I started seeing the talent assembled with this team, I thought the NBA championship was never going to happen. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Three-pointers won't go. Rebound called off Pope. They're not going to foul. The Heat will let it play out. It's over. At last, the long wait is over. After 47 years, the Denver Nuggets can finally call themselves NBA champions. How about that? The Nuggets, the Denver Nuggets, after 47 years, are NBA champions. And for many who've been in this town for a long, long time, I think there had to be thoughts that this day would never come. The Nuggets world champions? I mean, I lived, as you did, through some dark, dark basketball times. And even... On the occasion when the Nuggets would make the playoffs, this goes back some years, you'd think, okay, well, they made the playoffs, but they're not going anywhere. Ha, ha, ha. There's no way they're going anywhere. Even the year that they shocked Seattle, and we talked to Dan Issel about it last week when we had the horse on and took Utah to seven games, it was a nice run. It was a pretty little story out there in the Rocky Mountains. But NBA champions, come on. That's that's the land of the Lakers and the Celtics and, and the bad boy Pistons and, of course, the great Bulls teams. The Nuggets would never be on that stage. And now not only were they on that stage, but in five games they dismissed the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets, get used to this, are world champions. And they're also the favorites for next year. Pretty wild stuff. Pretty heady stuff. And I got to tell you a story. Um... The, the championship hit home, you know, because I, I got my start in professional sports with the Nuggets back in 1988. Uh, United Cable was kind of the precursor to Prime Sports. They had acquired the rights to the Nuggets and Colorado State football and basketball. That's why CSU will always have a special place in my heart because I, I started my play-by-play career basically calling football and basketball games uh, with Colorado State. And I was doing the pregame show on the Nuggets. Al Albert was doing the games. And, and we had the Denver Nuggets. And, and it, was, it was neat. It was really cool to be involved with uh, a professional team. So it, it holds and will always hold a special place in my heart. And, and later on, you'll hear Jerry Schimmel and I kind of commiserate and, and reminisce. Um, and to see them get to the top of the mountaintop, just really thrilled for uh, a lot of people down there uh, behind the scenes who've been there for decades, literally, and probably privately, like I just articulated, felt like, well, this this will never happen. Um, but it did. It did. It did, it did, and they can't take it away. And uh, As you were listening to this, perhaps uh, you're on your way to the parade or you're just coming back from the parade. Uh, two years in a row, Avalanche have a parade. Now the Nuggets have a parade. Denver, a pretty good place to be when it comes to, uh, comes to sports. So on Monday night, 
We're in Boston at Fenway, which is always a thrill in itself. I mean, uh, let me go off on a side street here just for a moment. I cannot tell you how much I love being at Fenway. People ask me on a regular basis, in season, out of season, what's your favorite ballpark to go to? And for me, I, I, I never hesitate. I never equivocate. It is Fenway. And been fortunate enough going way back, even before I was doing the Rockies, I was doing games at Fox, and, and somehow I had ended up getting some games at, at Fenway over the years. And every time I'm here, and the Rockies have played at Fenway beyond the 07 World Series. In fact, prior to this year, the Rockies were here right before the pandemic, 2019. Um, it, it never ceases to be special. It is a museum that you get to go to that's fascinating for anybody that consumes baseball. And they play a baseball game there every night. The Red Sox are in town. And it is number one. Wrigley is is number two. The other part of it that, that's so unique is that... and a, uh, a big portion of it, I guess, is that a hundred years ago, you could walk the same steps and walk around a corner and arrive at the ballpark. That's that's what it's like at Wrigley. It's not this, you know, monument to billions of dollars, this huge edifice with all the modern conveniences, you know, built in a downtown area in baseball or off a highway typically if it's a you know if it's a football stadium this park was built in 1912 and and hopefully in 2112 it'll still be around it is such a huge part of of boston of new england of major league baseball it is an absolute honor and privilege to uh, to be there each night so that's my that's my aside um to fenway so monday night you know, the Nuggets game is starting at 8.30 Eastern. The baseball game started at, at 7.10 Eastern. Well, the Rockies get to the ninth inning against the Red Sox. Or was it the tenth inning? I'm starting to lose track. And the rains came in. And there was an 85-minute rain delay. And it timed out perfectly. Talk about serendipitous. We got to sit down in the media room and watch the entire fourth quarter and the ensuing celebration. And it was tremendous. And, you know, Jeff Houston and myself were sitting there watching and high five and as, as the Nuggets um, held off Miami. And in the Rockies clubhouse, they were going nuts, led by Kyle Freeland, the Denver native. Pierce Johnson um, was in, you know, excited as well. But there's no one more demonstrative in their support of Denver teams and his own team than Kyle Freeland. I mean, you see it, you know, he, he's always on the top step of the dugout. He's, he is Denver through and through and enthusiastically so. And he was going nuts. And he told a great story that Brent Suter, who's from Cincinnati, and didn't really have an NBA team that he followed. And I talked to Brent about this. And Brent, who's such a live wire personality, 
He was he was as bad as enthusiastic in support of the Nuggets as Freeland was, and and you have these guys, you know, several from Latin America who, you know, land in Denver, and now they're jumping up and down supporting the Nuggets. There was only two guys who weren't supporting the Nuggets in the in the clubhouse, and that was Tyler Kinley, who's from Florida, Coco Montez, who just got called up a few days ago, is from Miami, and uh, naturally they're Heat fans, and they should be because they're from. Uh, that part of the world. But everyone else in that Rockies clubhouse, because of the rain delay, they wouldn't have been able to watch it. And they were able to watch it and take it in and have a mini celebration. And then they went out and finished off uh, the Red Sox on Monday night, did the same thing on Tuesday night in in extra innings, first two, uh, incidentally, uh, extra inning games of the year for the Rockies. But um, it was neat. And I had a lot of uh, different thoughts and emotions. And one of them's ongoing, and it concerns Nikola Jokic as being like, uh, you know, the anti-superstar, especially in the NBA. Um, we, we think that the, the, the superstar NBA player has to be this high-flying guy um, that, uh, you know, plays above the rim constantly. And there have been some ones that get you out of, out of your seat, from Michael Jordan to going way back to Julius Irving to Vince Carter. And now the the modern-day super-duper-duper star, guys that are mentioned as the best players in the world, uh, you know, start with Antetokounmpo in Milwaukee. I mean, he's basically a seven-footer who, you know, great leaping skills and, you know, can take two steps from beyond the three-point line and dunk on you and does frequently. And then there's this guy, Nikola Jokic, out in Denver, who... No matter who you put him, put on him, scores. If you double team him, he hits somebody else who scores. He seems to get every rebound. He scores meaningful points, not garbage time points, not incidental points. He gets meaningful rebounds. He's better than you think defensively. And yet he's like the anti-superstar for a couple of reasons. One, he really has no interest in being a superstar. I thought that one of the great lines, talk to Jerry about this in a little bit, was afterward he was disappointed to hear that the parade was like 72 hours later because he wanted to go home to Serbia. And the other thing is, is that he doesn't check off the boxes again of what an NBA superstar is supposed to look like. Again, be a leaper, um, you know, have the sleek body. Another thing, he's in far better condition, like great condition, and yet nobody realizes it because he doesn't have, you know, he's not body beautiful. He's great. I cannot tell you how great he is. And the basketball world is starting to come around to it. And even guys who voted for, whether it be Antetokounmpo or Joel Embiid, realize now that the unquestioned best player in the world is Jokic. And I know I'm repeating myself here, but I need to. And that is, this cat never has a bad game. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. He either has a great game, like historically great game, 30-plus points, 20-plus rebounds, 10-plus assists, or he has a really, really, really good game. Like if it was just in the middle of February 
and you were writing a headline, Jokic's 28 points, 17 rebounds, and 9 assists lead the Nuggets. That's like just a really good pedestrian game for him. He doesn't have below that. He doesn't have the 4 for 18 game and and 6 rebounds and 4 assists. He doesn't have those. Does not have those. It's remarkable. His touch around the basket, remarkable. And if you're open, he's going to find you. Um, yeah, he's, he's going to go down. I know he's 28. He's going to go down as one of the greatest players of all time. And it'll take a little bit longer for people to anoint him that. But now he's, he's checked off some more boxes, right? Not only an MVP, but he's a world champ. And he's got many years to go. But he's going to go down as not just one of the great centers of all time. Trust me, when he retires, he will go down. And you can make a convincing argument that he'll be one of the greatest players of all time. Even though, yeah, he doesn't jump high and he's not flashy and he doesn't walk into the arena with a $10,000 suit on, typically. It's amazing. And you, know, you can go down the list of, of guys you get excited about. Jamal Murray, what, what a tremendous talent he is and how likable uh, he is. And that's, that's the thing, man, the takeaway, how much these guys love each other, care for each other. And I appreciate what Michael, what Michael Malone said afterward. And yeah, he was in a celebratory mood, as he should be. But he was almost sending a message uh, to his team and, and certainly to all the, the Nugget fans looking in that um, it's not one and done. It's not, hey, we're satisfied. Uh, he realizes he has a unique opportunity to continue to be the best team in basketball potentially because the you remember the core four with the the Yankees well the core four with the Nuggets ain't going anywhere Jokic Murray Aaron Gordon Michael Porter they're all signed long term Christian Brown who looks like he's going to be a really nice and significant type of player in various capacities you know, he's going to be here you know, can they keep Bruce Brown? That may be a little more difficult. But your your core group, young and here for the long term. So enjoy this ride with the uh, with the Nuggets, which culminated with an NBA championship. Unbelievable, man! Remarkable stuff, fun stuff, and. Um, with that, I wanted to uh, reminisce. I thought no better, uh, better than to sit back. A guy I travel with, a guy who's now uh, been doing the Rockies for quite some time, but, but put in a lot of time uh, with the Denver Nuggets, uh, like I did back uh, a long time ago, where the uh, wins were fewer and farther between. Terrific broadcaster, Jerry Schimmel. All right, I said this a few moments ago, Shem, that the rain coming when it did was uh, the basketball gods, maybe the nugget basketball gods, looking down on 
Denverites who are involved in Major League Baseball, selfishly, me and you in particular, Kyle Freeland, certainly Pierce Johnson. But that was pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because I did an interview this morning and said the same thing. It's like God opened up the, the skies for rain to come down so we wouldn't have to do our game. We could take a little break and watch the end of the Nuggets game. And it worked out perfectly for us. We have to fill in the radio, but we're able to play back an interview that was 17 minutes. And that's almost exactly the time we had to watch the last four and a half minutes of that game. So, yeah, that was that was a thrill for everybody, especially I know you and I. Yeah, and 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 for you, Jerry, uh, what was it? Twenty? How many years did you 18. do? Eighteen. And I did ten, and and you and I both were involved in the broadcast prior. What were your emotions when it happened? I think it was. Uh, I was just excited and emotional for all the people that suffered like we did for so long. And thinking about some of the people that are still working over there, like Lisa Johnson, the basketball secretary, and Jim Gillen, the former uh, trainer, and Sparky Gonzalez, and uh, people that had been polling for, either working for the Nuggets or polling for them for so many years. Uh, my own daughter, gigantic Nuggets fan, and she was born two weeks before my first broadcast. So she's been winning her life, her whole life for this, Drew, seriously. 30 plus years she'd been waiting for this so thinking about those kind of people I certainly enjoyed it but I was just thinking about some others probably enjoying a little bit more yeah and I was thinking about those same people and Lisa always comes to mind first and foremost heck she's a VP now uh, and, and deservedly so I had the horse on last week Dan Issel and we were laughing and reminiscing your name came up on the podcast some funny uh, uh, stories uh, off court shall we say but you know there was a period of time there, not just for fans, but for people who were intimately involved like you and me. And it was like, NBA championship? I mean, that would be like, hey, Shemi, tomorrow I caught a flight. You want to go with me to Mars? I mean, that shit wasn't going to happen. <laughs> that is true, Drew, isn't it? I know in the 18 years I did the games, I never got a sniff of the finals. I mean, it wasn't even close. And every year it was, you know, how do we get better? How do we become a 500 team? How do we make the playoffs? And, and maybe if we make the playoffs, we can advance the second round one time or something. But yeah, the NBA championship, seriously, in the 18 years I was there, never never really entered my mind as a distinct possibility. It was always, we're so far away from this. It's always going to be somebody else. It's always going to be the Lakers or, or the, you know, somebody that, that's built for, for this and, and the Nuggets weren't built for that. So, yeah, it was um, until about four or five years ago when I started seeing the talent assembled with this team, I thought the NBA championship was never going to happen. Yeah, and I would think the fan base felt the same way. That's why uh, the parade is going to be epic, uh, naturally. I think back on some of the obscure names that every once in a while, don't ask me why, will enter my brain. I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy played for the Nuggets. Yeah. It happened this morning. I, I was listening to the PTI podcast, and they, and they mentioned uh, Sarunas Marcellonis, uh, a happy birthday to him. He was a, wasn't everybody a nugget for five minutes, Jerry? I think they were. Yes, they were. And we, yeah, we went through so many players. I do the same thing. You know, I thought about the other day was Anthony Goldwire. Remember him? Goldie. Goldie. The problem with Goldie, God, love him. He, he was like one of the best players on several nugget teams, which speaks volumes yeah I, I remember him because I was thinking about him the other day before that that championship game because he was on that 11 and 71 team and they won we won two games on the road that year two and 39 that's just crazy two and 39 on the road is that considered a bad record by the way <laughs> and Anthony Goldwire one of our wins was in Washington he shot a three uh, a buzzer beater from the corner that drew hit the side of the glass 
and went in <laughs> for a three for a game winner, and that was one of our one of our two wins on the road. So yeah, yeah. Everybody who ever put on an NBA uniform seems like they came through Denver for sure. I forgot about that, though. I did reference Jerry a game. I keep my, all my old old boards. I'm sure you probably do the same, maybe. And um, I came across a game. It was fairly late in that 11 and 71 season. And the Nuggets were in Seattle playing George Carl and a really good Sonics team, as we know. And the Nuggets were like five and fifty-eight. That was their record. And I'm and I'm saying, all right, I got to just like you, you know. Hey, welcome everybody to Key Arena or wherever the, you know back back in the day, where the five and fifty-eight Nuggets are taking on Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, and the Sonics. I mean, you, we had to do that with a straight face. Yeah, and, and we go in those games thinking it's different than baseball because things can happen in baseball, and you can get a win. You know, you're going to lose that game. I mean, there's no way you're going to win that, that game. You just go in there thinking, all right, I'll I'll be upbeat and energetic and you know, let people know that I'm not struggling like I really am inside and I'll put on a good show and a good face. But it, it was, yeah, you, you take it, a, a, and you're right, they were 5-58 and 58 at one time. So we rallied to win 11 games. We rallied to win 11. I, I've talked about this before, and you remember it. Corey Alexander yeah. Yeah. was waived by San Antonio. The Nuggets signed him. We barely knew who Corey Alexander was. But he was good enough offensively to help this god-awful team win a few more than they probably should have yes uh, he was our savior that year there's no question about it once they picked him up and he was thrown right in the starting lineup and I think he ended up with a five-year contract after that and never played I don't think he ever played for the Nuggets after that season but it was worth the five-year contract to avoid you know setting that record for futility but yeah that was a long season I'm glad we can honestly Drew we can go back and look today and go back and, and smile about it laugh about it because it didn't seem real laughable didn't seem real funny at the time. It was really painful, but it, it just goes to show how far this team has come. I mean, that was a long time ago, but you know, that was eleven and seventy-one from that year, almost setting the worst record in franchise in, in, in NBA history to an NBA championship. That's it, it's pretty cool stuff. It, it is really cool, and maybe it started to turn a little bit when the Nuggets kind of fell into Carmelo Anthony in, in a strange way because there was Darko Milicic and, and it seemed like everybody wanted Darko Milicic. Good thing that it didn't work out that way. But it seemed like they got a little bit of momentum. Now, it took a long time, obviously. That's 20 years ago when Carmelo was drafted. But it, it seemed like the worms started to turn a little bit. Yeah. I don't think there's any question about it. And they needed upgrade in talent, and, and they got that with Carmelo. And he had some very, very good years. And you know, a lot of people criticize Carmelo, I think, mainly because he wanted out at the end. But he and I always got along well. I know you, you have a relationship with him. And he, he kind of turned things around. I, I, don't, I don't think they ever missed the playoffs when he was on the roster. I think they went every single year. Didn't have a lot of success the postseason but he was the beginning of that and that and that carried over into the the days that we have now with the roster they have now and you know Carmelo kind of started that trend of reversing all the losing did you find when you listen to you know you, you can't avoid it now especially doing what you and I do for a living and we're sports people beyond now covering the Rockies um that that the rhetoric throughout the lead up to this postseason and certainly through most of the postseason was dismissive of the Nuggets and dismissive almost of Denver again, you know, that 
small town, and we're not a small town, by the way, but in the Rocky Mountains. I mean, did you get that vibe? I did. I did. I got that. Uh, I think I think I've had that vibe for a couple of years now. Ever since they become a championship caliber roster, and I think especially this year. In fact, I was watching ESPN one night. They were talking about the Nuggets and leading up to the playoffs, and they were a little dismissive on ESPN. But at the same time, they go, "Man, that's a really good roster. That's that's a really good, talented team." So I think people knew, Drew. I, I think they knew this was a championship team. They just want didn't want to believe it would come from Denver and the Denver Nuggets, and they hadn't won a championship in four. Seven years, you know what's different about this team now. But you know, obviously, as as the uh, postseason continued, you started getting believers, and I think everybody right now will look at this team and say, absolutely, the best team in the NBA. I don't think there's any question. I think anybody that um, calls themselves knowledgeable about basketball and suggests otherwise is foolish. And I think there've been some converts in the you know in the basketball intellectual uh base that uh, exists in bristol and in someplace else with nikola Jokic, he's so appealing in many ways yet breaks the mold of what a basketball superstar is supposed to look like for many, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. He's unique that way. He's the unicorn that way. And 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 I, I talked to somebody the other day in that front office, and I said, is he really for real? Is what we're seeing really what he says, Jerry? He's unbelievable. He's the most humble man you'll ever come across. And he told me a story, and Drew, you can appreciate this, uh, during training camp this year. So he had already won two MVPs. He comes out, and there's some rookie. Couldn't even remember the guy, what rookie it was. Didn't make the team. He's shooting on the main basket on that practice floor, and all the baskets are full. Well, uh, Joker comes out, and he's looking for some place to shoot, and their baskets are taken. And, oh, come over here. And, you know, the rookie's like, no, no. He's like, no, no, I'll go set up this portable basket. So we went over there, set the portable hoop by himself, and started shooting. I mean, what, what is that? That tells you everything you need to know about Nikola Jokic. Yeah, and plus I read where he was a little disappointed that there was about a three-day, uh, you know, three days between winning the NBA championship and the parade because he wants to go home. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that sounds like him as well. Yeah. And you know what? He, he's obviously the leader of this team, Drew. And, and, what I, and the way he plays is reflective of his teammates playing too. And what I love about this team is, and I've talked to some other people, but you could see it on the court. They just go out and play. They just, they just, they don't worry about national attention. They don't worry about whether Jokic should deserve a third MVP. They don't worry about, you know, you hear this word respect. They don't respect this. They don't worry about this. They just go play. They just go want to go to try to win a basketball game. And when you have talent like they do, and that desire and that attitude, and they're very well coached, you're going to win a championship. So uh, I think the most impressive thing about Jokic was he kind of uh, pushed that onto his teammates almost in a natural way that, hey, let's not worry about what do people think. Let's just go play and let's try to win a game. I think you make a great point, and, and I think it sometimes things are obvious from afar, even if uh, you're not in the locker room, we're not in that locker room, even from a fan base that you know doesn't get access like uh, that, where you can tell these guys genuinely love each other, care for each other. And I made an analogy, um, and some people may poo-poo this because the Rockies aren't a, a great team right now, but we understand how close-knit that group is in the Rockies clubhouse. And when you get talent like the Nuggets have, elite talent, and they play together, so there's chemistry, but it all starts in that in that 
clubhouse in baseball or locker room in basketball, doesn't it? It really for a championship team, it sure does, Drew. And I, I believe that's probably in every sport. Uh, I know there there are championship teams that have guys that are kind of knuckleheads, but uh, I don't think the the Nuggets have them. And to me, that's a credit to the front office. You know, you build with Murray and Jokic, and then you surround them with the right players. And the right players are the right guys that with the right attitudes. I'm going to play defense first, or um, you know, I'm going to be a three point shooter. I'm going to I'm going to have my role in this team. I'm not going to get the ball every time. It's going to be those two guys, and, and probably Michael Porter Jr., the third guy. So I got to accept a role, and they were willing to do that. So they went out and found those kind of guys that were unselfish and had this great attitude, and then they brought them in. They gelled, and, and that's part of the reason they won the championship. More with Drew and Jerry Schimmel right after this. Been drinking Boyer's coffee for a long, long time. Start my day with it, and when I'm at home, as I tell you, at the ballpark, I get uh, a couple of cups of Boyer's to get me through the ball game. Uh, Boyer'sCoffee.com is where you'll find all of their wonderful products, all of their wonderful flavors, and you can learn about their history as well because it's interesting, it's unique. Um, they're a great community partner, and they've been brewing outstanding coffee in the Rocky Mountains since 1965. And uh, again, you can have it delivered right to your house like I do by just clicking a couple of buttons and you don't even have to worry about shopping for it and you never run out. That's the best way to handle things though. Boyer's products are in your local market as well. Boyer'sCoffee.com. Hey everybody, I love telling you about Steel Products and Father's Day is right around the corner and they have all kinds of Father's Day sales on their battery products. So you got to check out Steel. It's S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com. That'll tell you where your nearest location is. And I guarantee it's uh, very close to your house because they have more than 10,000 around the nation. Steelusa.com, S-T-I-H-L. And you can learn about all of their products such a large variety it's ridiculous how many products they have and they're inventing new stuff all the time in fact recently i got myself this hand vacuum now it's a high-end battery operated vacuum so you can clean up messes you can clean up stuff in the garage you can clean up stuff behind the refrigerator it has all kinds of different um, utensils that uh come with the vacuum i'm doing a great job of describing this all right but it's a wonderful product man it's handy like everything in their line whether it's to trim the yard up bushes reach high places with pruning tools they've got it all if you're if you're you know cutting a path through the forest and you need high-end chainsaws you go to steel it's that simple s-t-i-h-l and it's father's day so make sure you check out all of their great sales items right now. STIHL, SteelUSA.com. Now back to Drew and Jerry Schimmel. I know it's kind of like a talk show question, uh, but, and Jokic is only 28, but of the centers you've seen, I used to say this, Jerry, uh, I'll answer part of my question. When people say, who's the greatest center that I saw? Um, I can't go back to Wilt. I mean, you know, I, I know what the stats are. You know what the stats are. You and I aren't old enough to say, oh, yeah, we watched Wilt growing up. But for me, it was Akeem Olajuwon because he was so athletic and he was seven foot and he blocked shots. And he had, just like Kareem did, uh, you know, the, the dream shake, which was an unstoppable shot. Where's 
Where's Jokic now? Because he is a unicorn. He's a point center. Where where does he fall among the all-time greats? And I know it's early, and again, I know it's a talk show question, mm-hmm. but what do you got? You know, I, I think it, when it's all said and done, it depends on what he wants to do. If he wants to play another, you know, 10 years or whatever, it, he probably be uh, and puts up numbers close to what he has the last couple of years. He's got to be, be considered one of the best ever, if not if not the best ever, because he's got those numbers. And, you know, I, I, I said this the other day, um, I, I compare him, a baseball comparison to me would be Shohei Otani. You've got a guy that's a great pitcher and a great hitter. Well, he's a great center and a great point guard. Drew, I think he's the best passer in the NBA. Not the best big man, Pat. Not the best passing center. He's the best passer in the NBA. He's the best distributor of the basketball. Throw all the point guards in with him. I think he's the best of all those. And yet he plays center. So he can play point guard and he can play center. So he can play the equivalent of a pitcher and and a position player and a DH, whatever that might be. I think he's that type of player. And if you, you put all that together, I think you have to consider him one of the best of all time no question about it yeah I don't disagree and I know some people say well it's premature and and it's always you know sacrilegious to to mention anybody in the in the same vein as some of the iconic figures in any sport that came before always nobody could be Ted Williams in baseball you know nobody can be Jim Brown in football uh, but I'm with you and I love that analogy to to Shohei I, I think you're onto something there and with Jokic Jerry, you did a million basketball games. I've done, you know, a, a ton of basketball. I think we say, oh, get the ball in the paint. It's still not easy to score in the paint. There are fellas between 6'9 and 7-whatever who are also in the paint trying to stop you from scoring. His ability with the right hand, the left hand, the fadeaway, the, the floaters, his array, and every time he puts up a shot inside of 15 feet, it's going down. That's remarkable to me and shouldn't be overlooked. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. It's just uncanny, isn't it? His ability with his size, he doesn't jump real well. I mean, he's not terribly athletic, but he's got this incredible touch, and I think he's so unpredictable, Drew. I don't think the defense knows what he's going to do. I mean, he he, he makes a different move every single time, and about the time you think he's going to make that move, he'll pass it off to somebody wide open, and they'll get a dunk, or they'll get an open three. And he's just got, like LeBron James said, he's thinking a couple a couple plays ahead of time he's, he's way ahead of me in my thinking on the court which I thought was really cool for LeBron to admit that that this guy is seeing the court better than I am but yeah he's just got this uncanny ability and if he misses he knows he's going to miss he goes get his own rebound and puts it back in so it's it's just almost in, in, uh, incredible it's almost incredibly difficult to stop him and we know this Drew because you you've been around uh, assistant coaches, everybody thinks they have an idea how to slow him down. To, nobody can. Everybody, they try different things. He just adapts on the fly and gets it done. Speaking of assistant coaches, I'm forgetting who. Jeff, oh man, you have a better memory than I do. It was back when LeBron James was drafted. I told the story not too long ago, Jeff Jerry. It was no, it wasn't. It wasn't Bizdelic. It was a guy who who was uh, he was more of a scout and then an assistant. Jeff Weltman, remember Jeff oh, yeah. Weltman? Yeah, okay. For sure. Jeff Weltman, when LeBron came into the league, Jerry, you and I were both doing the games, and there, there was so much hype. The kid was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was you know, eight years old. Not, he was 16. But so much hype. And I, I said to Jeff Weltman, I said, Jeff, I mean, how good is it? I mean, legitimately, where is this kid going to be? He said in two or three years, he was a rookie, said in two or three years he's going to own 
the league. And you know what? I, I always think back on that and go, damn, he was right. Yeah. I mean, he, he predicted that. I don't know how many guys predicted that a second-round pick who was kind of overweight from Serbia was going to become the best player in the world. Yeah, isn't that something? That might be, I said this the other day, too, that might be the best draft pick in the history of the NBA. I mean, he's become a, a two-time MVP and maybe more down, down the road. And he's a second-round pick. So there were, what, 40 or 41 players taken ahead of him? And, and to... to I guess defend some other teams. He really wasn't. I, I remember the year he was drafted. He really wasn't rated high by anybody. He was kind of an overweight guy that could shoot a three and and didn't play defense. And and and, and you give credit to him because he made himself into this great player. So yeah, I I I, I think sometimes you can overlook. The, the, well, we know this to draft in any sport is not a scientific method. It, it, it it's a crapshoot sometimes, especially in baseball. Less than half the first rounders ever make the major league. So. Um, but it was a it was a great draft pick, and you have to give the Nuggets credit because they they saw something in him that some other teams didn't. Well, again, we've been fortunate to do what we do for a long time. Had a conversation with Billy Schmidt. You and I see him on a regular basis. He's the general manager of the Rockies, and this was here in Boston. We were talking about uh, you know a draft and and some things uh, along the same you know the avenue that you and I are on right now. And he said the one thing that you try to be predictive of, but it's really hard, is what is inside that individual. And so that overweight kid from Serbia, if you could look inside him, he had what it took to say, no, I want to be great. I'm I'm humble in the process, but I really want to be great. And I'm going to transform my body and I'm going to work on my game. And that seems to be the common denominator, doesn't it? With, With all the great ones that you've been around, that's maybe the single most overlooked characteristic. I, I couldn't agree more. And I've said that forever, Drew. I think uh, uh, you can look at all the talent you can, and, and, and that's what scouts are paid to do. They're look, they, they look at uh, the arm, and they look at the speed, and they look at the power, and they, you know, the tools for baseball. And in basketball, you look at height and weight and whether you can run and jump and all that stuff. But there's something you've got you to find out what they have inside. Do they have a drive to be a great player? Do they want to improve? Will they take coaching? Or are they stubborn that way? And Man, we saw it so often in the NBA. I know you did too in 10 years. So many talented guys come through there that, that could jump out of the gym and fly up and down the court, but they couldn't play because they didn't have the desire. They wanted to do something else. They, they love the lifestyle and they love the paycheck, but they weren't driven to be that great player. I think that's what Jokic is. I think there's some other players on that team the same way. I think uh, Jamal Murray's that way. He's made himself into a tremendous point guard. He was a two guard coming out of college. So, um, yeah, I think it, it's what you have to find out, uh, what's inside, and that's what's going to drive, that's going to make a difference between that good player and that great player. I'll ask you this as a broadcaster. Did you allow yourself to go to, and I put this in air quotes, if I was calling game five the other night in the closing seconds, what I would have said? Because it is it is something you and I as broadcasters think. I mean, it's not like I'm sitting here on whatever the date is, June the 14th, and saying, okay, if some, when the Rockies are in position to win a World Series, I'm going to say this. I mean, that's hopefully not too far down the road, but we'll see. But did you allow yourself, as, as this thing was unfolding and you're watching it from uh, your radio booth at Fenway? Uh, yes, uh, to be honest. I, I didn't have 
a finish in mind or when they won the game, what my words might be. But I was thinking this through. It'd be so fun to be there and calling that game right now. Uh, I just it, it's something I had thought about for for 20 years. Spent 20 years in the NBA, two in Minnesota and 18 in Denver, and thought about that all the time. My ex-wife said she used to pray for me that I would get an NBA championship game to call someday, um, but it, but that never happened. So yes, I found myself thinking, man, would this be fun? Would this ever be fun to be in that chair right now calling the the last five minutes of this game here's what i'm going to do for you jerry to honor your 18 years with the nuggets and and my whatever the heck length of time it was and uh because our our record was was not real good (laughs) not real good um in fact i think i said by the way the other day that uh the nuggets won more postseason games this year than i won in 10 years on television (laughs) it wasn't far away from that but here's what i'm going to do for you to honor your time with the nuggets at about 2 in the morning tonight, when we're flying to Atlanta after six rain delays here in Boston, I'm going to buy you all the beer you want. Oh, man. How about that? Great. To celebrate the Nuggets. Can, can, can I get 18? Uh, you can get 18, 18 yes. Okay. I know someone on the plane. I'll get you 18 <laughs> beers, buddy. Hey, congrats in a, in a strange way to you. And, and I know a lot of people uh, remember very fondly all the calls you've had on, on Nugget games through the years. And, and you deserve a slice of that pie, man. Well, I appreciate that. Right back at you, Drew. Ten years is a long time doing those games. We weren't very good. So congratulations to you in a strange way as well. All right. Now, now we'll switch to a baseball mode. Have a good game tonight, brother. All right. Thank you, Drew. Yeah, amazing stuff. It was this time last year we were talking about the Avalanche being Stanley Cup champions and also um, the opportunity to be great for a significant period of time. Now, injuries are a big part of sports. You know I don't use those as an excuse typically. Um, The injuries were so significant to the Avalanche that it derailed them this year. But they're going to be in the conversation next year, even without Landis Gog. They'll make a move, use that money that they get back, the $7 million, to to try to fill that hole as best they can. But they're going to be in the conversation uh, for supremacy, for last one standing in the NHL for several years going forward. I think right now, isn't this wild that... The, the two odds-on favorite in Vegas to win a Stanley Cup and an NBA championship a year from now are the two Colorado teams, the Avalanche and the Denver Nuggets. How do you like that? Special stuff. Big thanks to, to Shem for uh, reminiscing. And uh, I hope all of you uh, are as uh, thrilled as we are with that uh, championship for the Nuggets and and now um, we'll turn more attention to, to the Rockies. They head to Atlanta after, uh, as we tape this uh, today, uh, after finishing off the series in Boston, a chance for the sweep. And it's all about the young guys playing, and they're contributing each day. The Joneses, uh, the Tovars, the Doyles of the world. Hope you enjoyed it, everybody. Um, and uh, stay safe and stay well. Congrats once again to the Denver Nuggets world champions. We'll do it again in seven days. Thank you.